Our scripture reading will be taken uh, again. Uh, we're in Matthew chapter 13. Uh, and this is part two. Uh, and and just before we get into this, let us uh, say uh, it has it's been about two weeks since we we looked at Matthew. So before we continue, let's look at look at a few things we saw in the first 40 verses of chapter 13. But we know in chapter 12, Jesus dealt with the Pharisees concerning the Sabbath and what his disciples did on the Sabbath when they were hungry. Jesus went on a ship off the Sea of Galilee, and he spoke many things unto them in parables in chapter 13. One of the parables was about the seed falling on four types of ground, the wayside, stony ground, the thorns, and good ground. Those around him did not understand because their hearts were dull of hearing. And they would not understand unless they were converted and their sins be forgiven them. But Jesus explained those things plainly to his disciples. We know the seed is the word of God. The sower soweth the word. By being on the wayside, it means when you hear the word and don't understand it, the wicked one who is the devil takes away what was said and sown in your heart. Mark says he comes immediately. Luke explains he does it lest you believe and be saved. Satan does not want you to understand the revelations of the word of God. Then we have the stony ground. The stony ground is where you receive the word and are known or immediately you receive it with joy. But the word you receive has no root. Persecution and tribulation comes and you are offended. Luke tells us in a time of temptation you will fall away. Then there are the thorns. You hear the word, but the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and you become unfruitful. Mark adds the lust of other things. And Luke says the pleasures of this life, and you bring no fruit to perfection. But the good ground is this. All three Gospels agree you hear the word and understand it and you bear fruit. Some bring a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. Depending on how much you receive determines how much you bring forth. So we need to examine ourselves when we hear the word so we can determine what ground it has fallen on. Did I understand it? Did I receive it? Did it take root in me? And are there things in my life choking what I heard and received? When I answer these questions honestly, I will know and understand what ground God's word has fallen and if there is any fruit being brought forth in me. Many other parables Jesus taught. For example, the tear and the wheat. And we know it is not for it is not our responsibility to pull up tares. We don't know what ties or relationships a tear has with a wheat. We don't know if that tear could become wheat. Our job is to plant and water the word that is being sown. God will give the increase. 
And if there is any pulling up, God will do it. We must understand the mixture of the tare and wheat are the righteous and the wicked, and they will remain in the church until the end of the world. God will send his reapers, which are the angels, and separate. Now let's move on to verse 44. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasures hid in a field, that which when a man hath found, he hideth and for joy thereof, goeth and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field. The unsaved person who will have interest in Christ and a part in the gospel's grace must part with all that he has to purchase and obtain them meaning the cares of this world and the pleasures of life must stop. Can you receive that today? Remember it says in 1 John 2.15, love not the world, nor the things in the world. This has reference to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. Verse 45 tells us, again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearl, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and brought it. Men and women seek for spiritual things in the gospel, as merchants do for pearls. When they discover Christ and his grace, to their soul it is as a pearl of great price and has more value than all they have in the world and they are ready to part with all to obtain Christ and his grace. Salvaging your soul is more valued than to salvage your flesh. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a net that was cast into the sea and gathered of every kind, which when it was full they drew to shore and sat down and gathered the good into vessels but cast the bad away. So shall it be at the end of the world. The angels shall come forth and sever the wicked from among the just. If you really look close at these parables, you will find some of the same things being said. But in some, he talks to farmers that understand harvest, others to merchants who knows about buying and selling, and also to fishermen who know the value in fishing. So in comparison, what is being said, there will always be the righteous mixed and the unrighteous. The good will be mixed with the bad in the church. We must, again, not try to do more than what is required. It is not our responsibility, again, to put people out. Preach and live the life before them. Let them lead. It is being explained here in verse 50 who will do it, and what will be done. Verse 50 says, And shall cast them into the furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Even though this scripture is clear and explains what will happen, some take this to mean it does not refer to hell. Others proclaim there is no hell. If there is a God, he should not do this. Some think this is a misinterpreted metaphor. But there's one thing for sure. Anyone cast into the furnace will not be going to heaven or enter into the kingdom. 
If there is wailing and gnashing of teeth, that is not heaven. Anyone who falls into this category will not rule and reign with the Father and the Son. Some think that only 144,000 are going to heaven. But this would make God a respecter of persons. If God selected or picked a particular denomination or people, it would make God unfair and unjust. That is why it says in John 6 and 40, this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes on him may have everlasting life. And life eternal is to know the only true God and his Son, Christ Jesus. The kingdom of God is not about a religion. Verse 51 says, Jesus says unto them, Have ye understood all these things? They say unto him, Yea, Lord. If you remember in verse 36, Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house. His disciples came, saying, Declare unto us the parable of the tare and of the wheat of field. Now Jesus has explained it and asked, Have you understood all these things? Jesus made sure they understood for their sakes. 52 says, Then said he unto them, Therefore, every scribe which is instructed unto the kingdom of heaven is likened to a man that is an householder, which bringeth forth out of his treasure things new and old. The word scribe means one learned or learned in the scriptures. Here it is applied to those who are instructed in the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. The disciples are here regarded as Christian scribes. Every prepared preacher of the gospel should have a treasure of divine knowledge of which he is able to bring forth all sorts of instructions. Ministers of the gospel should be always learning. They should always be communicating with God and to man, not just what they learned years ago, but what they have learned lately, things new as well as old. In 53 it says, And it came to pass that when Jesus had finished these parables, he departed thence. One writer says at this point, he crossed the lake from Capernaum and came once more into his own country, Nazareth, but with no better success than he had there before. And when he was come into his own country, he taught them in their synagogue, insomuch that they were astonished and said, Whence have this man this wisdom and these mighty works? One thing, Jesus' message was the same wherever he went. And it's a sadness of truth that those who should know Christ best are often the most ignorant of him. It is not this, is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brethren James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? Just like the people in his neighborhood understood the nature of Jesus' early employment of being a carpenter, people will understand who raised you and from where you come from in your neighborhood. Many of us are known only by our parents. And his sisters, are they not all with us? Whence then had this man all these things? Jesus did did have younger brothers and sisters, 
that were born to Mary by Joseph after the birth of Christ. But it has been argued and debated by scholars that these were not Joseph's children, but the sons of Mary's sister. Among the Hebrews, as the words brethren and sisters are used, meaning near relations, but why would the children of another family be brought into the share of a reproach? These were Jesus' brothers and sisters by Joseph and Mary. And they were offended in him. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, save in his own country and in his own house. And he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Let's look at what it says here in John 7, 1 through 5. After these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, for he would not walk in Jewry, which is Jerusalem, because the Jews sought to kill him. Now the Jews' feast of tabernacle was at hand. His brethren therefore said unto him, Depart hence, and go into Judea, that thy disciples also may see the works that thou doest. For there is no man that doeth anything in secret, and he himself seeketh to be known openly. If thou do these things, show thyself to the world. For neither did his brethren believe in him. As natural brothers, they took it for granted that Christ was influenced by the same spirit they felt. So they thought he should use every opportunity of displaying himself to the public. There is much his brothers did not know about him. They were born after him, not before. Again, in verse 57, it said, a prophet without honor and they being offended. In other words, the ministry of Jesus and his teaching has more of a reputation and is better received in any other part of the land than in his own country among his own relations. They were offended at him. Jesus did not do as they said or as they did. They were offended and did not believe him. As followers of the gospel and in the gospel, there are those among you who are related to you. They will not believe you or believe in you because they feel that they, are already, they already know you and they cannot receive the change in you because what they have is no longer in you. Therefore, as you speak the truth, you too will be without honor among them. And the things you say in their presence may also offend them. But as a vessel of God, as a child of God, as a believer in the gospel, as the truth runs in your heart, soul, and mind, stand fast in the liberty where Christ has made you free and do not be entangled or fall back into your own understanding. With that, my time is up, and I thank you for yours.